So I ha today's sermon is titled, How Are You Responding to 2020? And um, the reason I titled it that is because during times of stress, your idols are revealed. We've talked about this a lot. You know, you squeeze the toothpaste tube, what comes out, you know? Jesus says the outside of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's what's inside you that makes you clean or unclean, not what's outside of you. And so during times of stress, our idols are revealed. Idol, by the way, if that's a new word for you, it's anything you worship that's not God. As God determines himself to be, as he has revealed himself to be, that's anything that's not that perfect worship of that perfect father is idolatry. And 2020 has been a particularly stressful time for many of you, many of us. And in addition to this, all of the default things that we would turn to have been stripped away or stretched or squashed. And what I mean by that is maybe for some of you, you love traveling. Well, now you can't travel. Maybe for some of you, you just really um, love the NBA, and then this year the NBA was terrible, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so all of the things that you go to to unwind, to depressurize in order to enjoy your life, even those things were stretched and stripped away and squashed. And the bottom line is that because of that, I think every single human being I have talked with has wrestled with how to cope, how to cope. Everything is up in 2020, by the way. Weight gain, it's up. Alcohol consumption, it's up. Drug use, it's up. Internet shopping, it's up. Divorce, it's up. Domestic abuse, it's up. Adult entertainment, it's up. Netflix binging, it's up. And on and on and on. The question is why? Well, because we're stuck at home? Yes, but no. The stress of 2020 has revealed that we myself included, and you, okay, countered a popular belief about yourself. When I look in the mirror, what I realize is that 2020 has revealed that I like to be in control, I am out of control, and when I feel out of control, I act like it. Can anybody relate to that? I know you can. Four of you are honest, okay? <laughs> So I have isolated a few themes in Proverbs that we tend to turn to when we feel out of control. In others, when, when you feel like you are losing control, you can't determine what you do with your job, you can't determine whether or not your kids go back to school normally, you have to constantly say no to your kids because that has been canceled, this has been postponed, no, I'm sorry, um, we have to socially distance this year, we can't go to the parade, it's canceled. As you go through all of these different things and you're mourning and you're wrestling and you're struggling, we tend to turn to default wagon rut human reactions to deal with our feeling of being out of control. And so these are umbrellas and three umbrellas that we're going to talk about today. There's more, but I actually had to eliminate some of them because I was going to want to preach in for an hour and a half. And the point is this, you may have struggled with all of these, you may have struggled with one of these or two of these, but I guarantee you, you will relate to what we talk about. And so the question is, how are we responding to feeling so out of control in this year, 2020? So the first way that people tend to respond is with comfort, comfort. You know, during these times, uh, if you look around the nation, if you look around our own town, you realize that some people have simply put, 
embrace laziness. Talking with friends who own businesses, it's shocking, not shocking, the number of employees who simply stated have opted just not to go back to work because it's easier to stay at home. It's easier to stay at home and blame it on the virus. Why work when the government will pay you? I mean, indeed, early on when there was that initial shutdown, um, Gina was making $800 more a week than normal, right? And so it's like, why work? But we realize that we work for different reasons than just because we want to work. Why pay rent when the governor has paused all evictions? There's so much danger. Isn't it better to just stay home? Isn't it better to just not work? Isn't it better to just not come to the gathering? Now, I'm not talking about people who are high risk and genuinely, if they get COVID, they have a high risk of passing away. That's not what I'm referring to. I am referring to lazy people. So hear me out. I'm referring to lazy people. Proverbs 26, 12 to 16 says this about those who pursue comfort. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? Notice that. This man thinks he's making the right decisions because of the climate of the day. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. In other words, he's worse than a fool, which Proverbs are pretty strong against fools. Who is this man? The sluggard. That's a nice title, right? (laughs) The sluggard says, there's a lion in the road. There's a lion in the streets. And as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard does on his bed. What a great image. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but it wears him out to even bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Let me tell you about the sluggard and what this has to do with COVID and 2020 and all the nine that's going on. The sluggard loves comfort. For the sluggard, there is nothing more dangerous than if his comfort is threatened, than if hard work is on the horizon, than if risk is on the horizon. The comfort comfort of the sluggard is threatened, and for the sluggard, that is a terrifying thing. And COVID, 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 COVID has done that. You say, well, work? I can't work today. There's a lion in the street. What's the lion in the street right now? COVID. I can't go to work today. I might get COVID. I'm talking about people who use this as an excuse, okay? Don't email me and be like, I'm going to die if I get COVID. I get it. You probably shouldn't be here. <laughs> I'm talking about people who are using it as an excuse. And you know who you are if you're using it as an excuse. Get out of bed. What's the point? COVID messed everything up anyway. Why does it matter if I sleep an extra hour, an extra two hours, go to bed a little earlier? What's the point of even trying? Too lazy to eat? Perhaps a better, more modern analogy would be too lazy to eat what is healthy, and so they live on fast food because there was no fast food back then, so you had to work to do it. You know, when you look at a sluggard in Proverbs, they are chiefly concerned with control and comfort. They can't control the events of the day, and so their comfort is at threat 
and so they are frankly lazy that they don't actually try hard. They're the people who say, it's like Uncle Rico, if coach would have put me in, oh man, would have been states soaking it up in a hot tub with my soulmate. But this bum knee, you know, if it wasn't for this bum knee, I would have been in the NFL too. Okay, sluggard. The sluggard does not start things because he might fail. And it's better not to try anything at all than fail because then I wouldn't be as wise as I think I am because the sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than anyone else. The sluggard does not finish things because he always has an excuse. Well, you know, my boss, well, you know, my friends, you know, that guy, he just doesn't appreciate me. Everybody else gives me a chance. The sluggard. The sluggard will run from difficulty. Oh, it's going to be hard? I'm actually really busy that day. Oh, you need me to help you paint your house? Uh, The sluggard. The sluggard is anxious and restless. What is the sluggard's problem? Comfort and control. The sluggard has no control over whether or not his day will be smooth or challenging. And so, frankly, for the sluggard, it's just easy to avoid it entirely. The sluggard has no control over whether danger lies at every corner. And so, frankly, it's easier to avoid it entirely. The sluggard gets frustrated when his comfort is disrupted. He is unteachable, wisest in his, in his own eyes, and full of excuses. And COVID has given the sluggard a reason to embrace his sluggishness and hide behind a veil. The sluggard avoids work because he cannot control if he will succeed. It's better to do nothing than to fail. That way I can say, well, if I had. If I had. What does the gospel say to the sluggard? Because otherwise it's just me kicking a slug while he's down. What does the gospel say to the sluggard? God designed us to work. And indulging laziness is counter to our design as humans. It's counter to our design as Christians. And the reality is this. You cannot will yourself out of laziness. Despite what all the self-help Christian and secular books, despite what all the Christian self-help books, all the secular self-help books tell you, you cannot muscle yourself, white-knuckle, put yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, if only you'll be disciplined enough, then you won't be a sluggard. It doesn't work. Only the Lord can change you. And you need the grace of Jesus as revealed in the gospel. See, salvation apart from works motivates us to labor diligently in this brief life, not out of a checklist, checklist, but out of a desire to see the glory of God spread, to see others benefited and blessed, and to grow and be more like Jesus, the high priest. The spirit-controlled life, a surrendered heart, compels us to grow that we may lovingly co-labor with our king, not to earn his favor, but because we want to be closer to him. Wherever he's going, we want to go.
See, the gospel gives the sluggard confidence and courage despite failure and in the face of adversity because we only have one audience, so who cares if I fail at every single thing I try? So the sluggard, all of his excuses are popped by the pin of the gospel. I think that I can relate to the sluggard. I don't know if you can relate to the sluggard. I can relate to the sluggard, especially during COVID. It's like, well, what's the point? I mean, no one's going to sign up for a hub anyway, right? It's very easy to think that way. No one's going to come anyway. Why even try? But the gospel says, Bill, rest in Jesus and allow him to work through you. The second thing that I think we see ourselves turning to is very different than the sluggard, and that's rage, rage. See, when the various events of 2020 began to unfold, people were like a tinderbox ready to burst a flame. Can we say amen? And I think this was in large part because of how out of control people felt. After being told what to do, what not to do, what you can do, what you can't do, you can go to work. No, you can't go to work. You are going to get sick. You're not going to get sick. After being told this, I have to tell you a story. <laughs> so when I was in, when I was in Iraq, <laughs> we had to get a COVID test to leave the country, right? And so you got the COVID test, which it was easier to get a COVID test in Iraq than in the United States, by the way. And we had to go to this place and then get... Uh, the results, like three days later, you go meet there, pick it up. And so we go in, and uh, we say, hey, I'm here. And I give the guy my passport, and he's like, all right, go outside. And I was like, my, pa my passport? <laughs> and he's like, I got your passport. And he puts it in a pack of passports like this big. And I was like, I'm going to get stuck here. Gina's going to kill me, right? <laughs> and so anyway, so we go outside, and there's like all these Pashmerga military there with like assault rifles. Literally, we're standing next to this um, – Toyota Hilux, and this guy comes out carrying a 50-cal rifle, and he mounts it on top of the Hilux, like from me to the speaker, and then he just goes inside, and I'm like, a anybody could just, I feel, anyway. <laughs> so I'm outside, and we're waiting our turn for like two hours, and the Pashmerga, which is the, their military, he goes, everybody inside, and we come inside, and then literally like a minute later, he's like, everybody get outside, everybody get us like, Okay. And then we went outside, and then like 10 minutes later, he'd say, everybody get inside. And we thought we were going to get our passports. And then he would say, everybody get out. And this happened like six times. <laughs> so by the end of it, you feel like Michael Douglas in that movie where he goes crazy with the baseball bat. You got me? Thanks. Thank you, Ryan. <laughs> this is why Ryan's in my discipleship group, because he gets me. Anyway, the point is this. After being told what to do, what not to do, you start to feel like you're going to lose it, don't you? You see, when people get pushed into a corner, they lash out. And so if you were prone to anger before, you've pretty much been like the Hulk, where what's his secret? That he's always angry. That's the Hulk's secret. He's always angry. And so maybe that's how you felt all this year. Let me tell you something. Anger is all about a control idolatry, and a power idolatry. But the Bible has strong words against angry people. Proverbs 16.32, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. 
Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29, 22. A man of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression or much sin. Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. See, the angry person, in case you're wondering if you're angry, the angry person says things like, they just don't get it. They won't listen. Don't you know who I am? And then they think, I can force them to listen. If I just get a little louder, if I just get a little you know, more puffed up, the angry person makes all kind of threats in order to get what they want. The angry person screams at people they can intimidate because they think that through fear they can get their own way. In other words, they play the bully. This is parents to our shame, why we will scream at our kids, but you know, we probably would not scream at each other because we feel like I can push my kid around, I can tell my kid what to do, but I'm not gonna yell at that guy, he's six foot five, right? The angry person has a control issue. They can't control things and so they lose control. COVID has completely stripped away control. And so you freak out. If some, it's like, so if you're an angry person, you have felt like the last six months, your fuse is just hovering at like a quarter inch. And it's like, somebody do something because I'm going to freak out. I mean, am I the only? Thank you, David. <laughs> Apparently this sermon is just about me. <laughs> My goodness. But the solution for the angry person is not to give him control. That's not the solution. So if you're saying, I wouldn't be so angry if the government would, I wouldn't be so angry if the whatever, my boss would, listen, that's not the solution. Because the Proverbs make it clear that if you give the angry man what he wants, what happens? He destroys himself and everyone around him. You don't give in to a temper tantrum. The solution is for the angry person to realize something very profound and very simple. You ready for it? You're never in control. You're never in control. You can't make your heart pump blood. You can't determine whether someone's going to crush you in their car on the way to, to work. This past May... Both of our cars were parked in front of our house at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And, some, and we live on a side street. Like for those of you guys who know where we live, someone was flying so fast down our street that they plowed into my truck, totaled it, pushed it into Gina's van, and pushed the van 15 feet. Like I couldn't control that. And then it took six weeks to get sorted out because it was the middle of COVID. Everything is actually out of your control. Even if you do all the right things, it doesn't mean you can control the outcome of your life. And so what does the gospel say to the angry person? Look, you've never been able to fight your own battles. That's why Jesus had to come. 
If you could fight your own battle against sin and death, then the Lord would not have had to send his son. You've always needed a champion, like David standing in front of Goliath. Jesus came to destroy the devil and the works of the devil and to conquer sin and death. You've always needed a hero, and you've never been the hero. Counter to popular opinion of yourself. Your inability to control the smallest part of your life is designed by God to point you to the reality that you can't control anything else. If you want to win, then you actually need to surrender. Put down your fists, acknowledge your inability, give up, surrender to the Lord. Stop fighting and ask the Lord instead to fight your battles. That's a bigger weapon because the battles we fight are not against flesh and blood. They're not against people who disagree with our politics or who disagree with our perspective on the coronavirus or who disagree with whatever it is. Um, many of those people are just victims of the enemy, blinded by the enemy, entrapped by the enemy's chains, and we are called to set the captives free with the proclamation of the gospel. Stop fighting and ask the Lord to fight. The third thing. So, things that you may be turning to during COVID, okay? First thing was comfort. Comfort manifests itself in a lot of ways, right? The second thing, rage. The third thing is very similar to comfort. <laughs> you can tell what I struggle with, comfort, right? The next thing is extremely similar to comfort, and it's what it is, escapism. Escapism. Okay? What's escapism? Men, what do you think is the most common place that men escape? What do you think it is? Work. Workaholics. It's escapism. I'm going to go and work really hard in this area of my life where I feel like I'm in control and where I feel successful because in the other areas, I don't feel too bueno. Okay? Men escape in their work very frequently. Where else do men tend to escape? Hobbies, fantasy football, hunting, fishing, you know, tinkering around in the garage, you name it. The primary, <laughs> the primary places that men escape, work and hobbies. If you're, if you're a dude, can you relate to that? Yeah, three of us can, four of us can. You all can, okay? Listen, I'm, in a, I'm an expert escape artist, but not in like a manly way where I like, just I hunt too much. No, I, when I, I literally, before I was a follower of Jesus, I one time played a video game 36 hours straight. Literally 36 hours straight. I was clinically addicted to video games before being clinically addicted to video games was cool. <laughs> literally, back then they didn't even have rehabs. Now they do. So the bottom line, and now it's super common, right? Some of you guys are trying to justify it right now. My guild needs me. Yeah, sure they do, okay? <laughs> Listen, for people addicted to escape, when the going gets tough, what do we do? We run away. 
we run away to a place where we feel competent, where we feel important, or we feel like we can control our environment. It can be books. You know, just because it's a book, you say, well, books aren't bad. They're really good. Yeah, they're not good if you read them 20 hours a day, right? It can be just something that's good can become an escape that's unhealthy. It can be books. It can be movies. It can be video games. It can be food. It can be sports. It can be fantasy football, hunting, fishing, dancing with the stars, the boat, you name it. We all know what those things are in our life. But video games didn't exist in the Bible. And so the Bible tends to frequently point to one thing consistently as a very common means to escape. And you may not struggle with this thing, but I want you to realize that this thing that I'm going to talk about is representative of all of the forms of escape. And that thing is alcohol. Proverbs 23, 29 to 35. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Let's just pause there. You realize all those things are true about someone who stays up until 4 in the morning every day playing Xbox. Can't keep a job. Their eyes are always red. They're always complaining because their mom wants them to make their bed. Okay? And so realize that this isn't just booze. This is any form of escape. And this is what it says. Who, are the, who is that person? Those who tarry long over wine. Those who go to try mixed wine. Do not look at wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup and goes down smoothly, because in the end it bites like a serpent and stings like an adder, which is like a poisonous snake. Your eyes will see strange things. And your heart will utter perverse things, and you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, like one who lies on the top of a mast. They struck me, you will say, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. And when I awake, I must have another drink. Man, that is such a powerful portion of scripture to talk about the danger of alcohol but also to talk about the danger of any escape. Because what a liar our escapes are. Your escape, whatever your escape is, whether it's booze or whatever it might be, all right, your escape makes so many empty promises to you. I can take away your pain. I can give you purpose. You could become a connoisseur of whatever escape it is that you love. I can remove your sorrow that you feel. Is it your day off? Come and tarry with me. Did you have a hard day? Come and stay, spend some time with me. You'll feel better. Do you have something to celebrate? I know just the best way to do it. Isn't that the lie that all escapes make? Are you sad and worn out? Was it a rough week? I can give you comfort. That's the lie of every escape on the planet. But I'm going to tell you something. You can escape. You only think you can escape for a while. But the reality is when you wake up, you're still in reality. 
except now you have a headache. Where you've squandered your years in a bottle, in a book, at the office. And do you think when you're lying on your deathbed, you're going to say, man, sure glad I spent all that time at the office. Really was worth it. But at least everybody knew I was the guy who came in on the weekends. That's what escapes do. The escape artists wants to sneak away to a world they can control instead of living in a world they can't control. What does the gospel say to the one who craves escape? Bill, what you actually crave isn't found in a video game or a movie or a book or a pizza or a bottle. It's only found in Jesus. It's only found in the gospel. Your desire to run away is actually a desire to return to the Garden of Eden. Your desire for adventure, whether that's through fantasy football or through your work or through a book, it's really a desire for the purpose of the gospel. Your desire for rest is actually a desire for the Sabbath of the cross. And your desire for pleasure is actually a desire for the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Everything the escape artist craves is found in the gospel. But the escape artist goes everywhere but the gospel to find those things. But if you fix your eyes on him in faith, you will find refreshment and rest and satisfaction for your soul. Because blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness for he will be satisfied. Psalm 46, 8 to 11 says this, Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And then the famous quote, Be still. I think the opposite of being still is manipulating your circumstances. Be still and know that I am God, and I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord who commands angelic armies, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is a quote from the ESV Psalter which is the Psalms, and then it has like a commentary, gospel-centered, Christocentric commentary from Psalm 46. To turn on the television or radio, to drive down a billboard-filled highway is to be bombarded with the message that various products and services are the secret to achieving inner calm. If you can just get the right body, the right education, the right financial structure, the right entertainment system, then you will have achieved the deep soul sigh that everyone longs for. But Psalm 46 offers an alternative to what the world offers. It says, be still, be quiet, look up. 
calm down. God reigns. The psalm does not offer a Pollyanna view of life. The psalm gives us a sober dose of realism that even though the earth goes haywire and even though the nations assault each other, all of this is under the wise and far-reaching hand of God. And so what troubles you today? What is it about which you think, if I can just get that sorted out, life will be manageable? What worries your heart as you lie awake in bed? God says, I, not any circumstantial solution, am your refuge amid adversity. I am a very present help in trouble. I am God. Be still. I think maybe because I'm a one-trick pony, or maybe because we complicate it and God makes it quite simple, that the solution to all of these struggles is to find our rest in Jesus. To be still. Be still in the midst of COVID. To be still in the turmoil. Not too still, sluggard. (laughs) Still enough. No, I joke, but being still is not inactivity. Some of you are like, oh boy, being still. No, being still is not inactivity. Being still is active surrender. Humbling yourself before God. Acknowledging that you have no control. Acknowledging that you are not content with all the things you've been pursuing. Acknowledging that you need more of him. He does not necessarily need more of you. And the opposite of that is manipulation. Manipulating people with your anger, manipulating your comfort with your excuses, and manipulating your own personal pleasure with your escapes. Instead, wait for Jesus. Wait for the Lord. Stop. Be quiet. Fix your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith. Crawl onto the altar and stay there. Stop striving. Surrender. Have you surrendered? After Christian's message last week, have you surrendered? Not to the mental facts about the gospel, but have you surrendered your heart to the gospel? In the midst of 2020, have you surrendered? Are you striving? Are you panicking? Are you anxious? Are you worried? Are you angry? Be still. Drop your hands. See, this is a posture of our heart. Christian last week talked about the narrow way, the narrow gate. Just so happened that I finished reading Matthew 7 this morning in my own time with the Lord. And I read that. And I was reflecting on the fact that in the immediately preceding paragraph, what Jesus says is he says, the one who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so in the context there, what are we reminded of? What are you seeking? Well, the section Christian talked about ended with to the one who seeks the narrow way. We seek the narrow way. We knock on the narrow gate, and we ask the Lord to help us in the process. Isn't that what it means to surrender? To keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking.
So it's 11 o'clock. You have some time to chat with your table. On the back of your sheet of paper, there's a couple things. First of all, I want to remind you, share in sentences, not paragraphs, so that the extroverts don't always dominate the discussion, okay? One, how have you seen the struggles of this sermon most frequently reveal themselves in your life? Which of those things, comfort, escapism, rage, which of those things can you most relate to and why? Talk about that even briefly, even in a sentence. And then I want you to answer this question. Practically, learning from one another, what does it look like to be still? What does it look like practically to be still? Do you have margin in your life to be still? And if not, what can you do to create that margin? So just wrestle through those. If you're not at a table with someone, please just turn and meet with people nearby, okay? And so nobody gets left out. And so if you see someone sit seated alone or just two people, feel free to invite them over. But let's spend some time talking about those things.